Hi all, Crystal Cheatham here. It's been a while since our last podcast, and I'm here to say that Alba and I are working very hard on a season full of episodes. Those will be coming out the second week of November, and we hope you will hang around with us until then. Um, In the meantime, I had the pleasure of interviewing two people who have had a lasting impact on the LGBT faith community. And honestly, while their work doesn't get the attention it deserves, they are making waves and are having a profound impact on the lives that they touch. As a side note, I want to apologize because the audio is a little shoddy, but since this is a very special topic, um, I wanted to get it out there, and I guess I'll say, listen at your own risk. (laughs) Take care, and um, look for a new season of Lord Have Mercy with Reverend Alba starting on November 10th. Okay, bye! Wenn's im Schloss wird ganz finster und die Wolfsrudel heulen fürchterlich. Lord Have Mercy is brought to you by Our Bible App, the world's first affirming Bible app. Devotionals for the rest of us. Find out more at crystalcheatham.com slash Our Bible App. All right, this is it. Everybody laugh. Everybody break up. See, gotta laugh. Real fun. You are listening to Lord Have Mercy, a podcast about God, sex, and the Bible. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham, and today I'll be interviewing Isaac Archuleta, creator of the IM Clinic, a counseling practice devoted to repairing relationships between families, individuals, and yes, even couples. And now, Isaac. Can you tell me a bit about um, who you've been working with? Sure, absolutely. So I Am Clinic uh, comes out of my personal background. I am the son of two pastors from a very conservative background um, where it is very common to pray away anything. If I'm you surprised have you're not like a badass, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's part of my story. <laughs> what? Yes, yes. So I grew up in this household where we weren't allowed to cuss. We weren't allowed to play with playing cards, absolutely no alcohol. We could only watch TV if mom and dad were in the room. Um, if you had enough faith, you could pray away everything, even the cancer in your body or the pimple on your face. I mean, yeah. it was incredibly, incredibly shaming because that set you up for imminent failure. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, what kind of God is like, I'm sorry you didn't pray right, so I'm not going to help you with that. That's exactly. not my God. That is, right. that's the worst. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's how we swallow shame, right? That's how yeah. we internalize all of this stuff. It's so subconscious. Mm-hmm. So after I had swallowed all of that shame, um, knowing that I was hiding who I was, I felt like the only way I was valuable was if I was successful, if I was smart, if I was soft enough and kind enough, if I could hide my femininity well enough. And so I was creating, I was fabricating that facade, thinking that I would get value through that facade. Mm. And when I stepped into college, my whole world deconstructed. I didn't have that Christian bubble to keep me safe or to tell me what was right or wrong anymore. And I started drinking uncontrollably. Mm. After my fresh, my first semester of my freshman year of college, my GPA was a 1.8. I was on academic probation, and I was, I was blacking out from alcohol every day. And so at the end of that year, I was arrested for public intoxication. Not and you, I was, no. Yeah, absolutely. 
and I was expelled from CU Boulder. Um, you know, I can tell the story in several different ways. There's the comedy behind it, you know, crazy Isaac getting arrested because he's just causing mayhem on the CU campus. But there's also the true story of the Isaac who was incredibly lost, not only just in, in this world that felt like there was no boundaries, but I had no compass pointing me back to myself mm-hmm. because I didn't know who I was. I wasn't able to authentically share who I was so that people could give me feedback on if I was good or bad, clean or dirty, stable or not, how to create my own rooted identity. Mm. And I searched and searched and searched. So here I am drinking uncontrollably. I can't go back to school. I'm working a job. Um, I worked as a dental assistant, which was absolutely good for me. But as an ethnic minority, I didn't have the resources to put my life back together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have parents who could afford this incredible mental health treatment. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of spun out of control. Um, As we do. Yep, absolutely. So I applied to seminary and I told God um, that if he could make me straight, I would go to seminary. I would study everything. I would research every journal article I could about human sexuality so that I could learn as a Christian how to change it and then I would go healing every gay person in North America. <laughs> and, but it was just this identity based out of shame because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And I, I put this emphasis on do. I felt like I had to keep God happy by performing. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I spent about five years in therapy myself and realized that none of my colleagues, as a professional counselor at this point after graduating from seminary, none of my colleagues were helping the LGBTQ community specifically. So I created I Am Clinic to work with um, the religious and non-religious gay community and their family members. So at I Am Clinic, we work with the gay couples, the coming out spouses, mixed orientation marriages, conservative Christian parents with an LGBTQ child, um, clergy coming out, clergy, we kind of cover the whole spectrum. And how are you able to do that internationally? So we do it all through Skype. Wow, okay. So I've worked with um, a mom from Ethiopia who had two gay children. I have tons of parents (gasps) calling from Texas, and Mississippi is another big state that we have a big reach in. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now you are both a man of the cloth and a a psychotherapist, yes? Almost. Okay. <laughs> yes, I went to seminary, but I have a I earned a master's degree in counseling, okay. not divinity. Oh, so. so my next question was did God make you straight and <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, Absolutely and I- not. <laughs> not this is where I find the beauty. This is where I absolutely fall in love with God. Because I think that in every step of the way, after praying from nine years old till 26, I'm 33 now, but daily prayers of God, will you change me? I fasted two meals every day as a senior in high school. Um, I went to seminary to go and change myself, you know, as this kind of lifestyle that was almost like a, a penance, that if I was paying my penance, profoundly enough god would would be be nothing but convinced and he would change my sexual orientation 
But what I discovered is that God created me this way on purpose. I, I've absolutely fallen in love with this crystal that God has given us the desires of our heart. We read this in Galatians, um, Proverbs, kind of variations of this idea anyway. And I don't see it as Santa Claus, you know, kind of waiting, looking at my clock saying, when will God give me the desires of my heart? I think we've already got it backwards. Mm-hmm. It's that I have these desires because God has given them to me. My mm-hmm. only path is to go out and follow them, mm-hmm. even that means following the way I fall in love. That desire wasn't socialized. It wasn't because dad did this or mom didn't do that. That desire was in my heart because God planted it there on purpose. Preach. I mean, people listening don't know that you're smiling right now. Like you're really getting excited about this. And so am I. It's moving. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's, we don't need a facade. We don't need to be these skinny, decaf, cinnamon, dolce, Americanos promoting. I love that. <laughs> you know, we get to just show up and say, I am Isaac. I just wrote about this in the blog, but mm-hmm. the tree. Am I talking too much, Do No, please. Okay. <laughs> the tree. It's this little tiny seed packed with all of this genetic coating. And it has no choice what's in that little seed cover. And it falls in the ground, and it doesn't have any choice where it falls in the ground. The seed has this genetic code. I'm a nerd. It knows where the roots will come and where the sprout will. So it can literally rotate itself in the soil so that it knows that the roots are going down. This tree, yeah, after a 100 years, this little thing packed with all this genetic coding is huge. It had no choice what color or size or type of leaves it would have or where on the stalk its branches would shoot out or how big its trunk would ever be. All that tree gets to say is, I had no choice in the matter but to be this beautiful. Mm. And the same thing for us. I didn't get to choose to be a Spanish-American with hazel eyes and brown hair with these desires packed into my seed that would blossom and I would watch bloom and and create this beautiful canopy for all the world to see. I had no choice in the matter. But all I get to do right now is say, this is who I am intentionally created this way. And I think, Crystal, that that if the LGBTQ community realized just how beautiful they are, that they had no choice what desires were planted in their little seed, no choice in watching those desires come to fruition after puberty or gender identity was solidified in their brain, if we could just live out of the the beauty of God's diversity, we would walk on this planet so differently. And because we're, we've been steeped in powerlessness, will we know true power? And that's where I think we will surpass the straight community in being healthier relational beings because we know powerlessness. Let your weakness become your strength. Exactly. I, mean, I think I needed to hear that this morning, just listening to you speak. I think I know you, you are exactly where you need to be. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God you followed whatever route he was telling you to go. Um, Obviously, you're just, you're so um, grounded and where you need to be. So thanks so much for being willing to share this. Oh my gosh, we need your help. We are looking for writers. Are you a writer? Do you know how to put pen to paper? 
Do you have some fantastical thoughts that you would like to share with the rest of the world about uh, identity, religion, spirituality, diversity, LGBT people, sex, God, family, whatever you have it. If you think that you can put together a devotional, a meditation, or a prayer thought, please send it our way. You can check it out at crystalcheatum.com slash submissions to see what it is we're looking for and how you can add your voice to the library of devotionals to be featured on our Bible app when it comes out uh, next year. Check it out and let's get back to the show. Um, It was so cool to know that we both went to the same uh, conference, the Gay Christian Network. I, of course, was just there to mill about and to do some writing. Um, And you were there for a specific reason. Um, What was that? Absolutely. One of the uh, the populations or the population that I am just enamored with is the LGBTQ Christian population. And I was hosting a workshop there entitled, I am a skinny decaf cinnamon dolce Americano. And yes. (laughs) And I wanted to talk about the ways that we almost hold our identity, just like we hold our Starbucks order that I've created this very delicious thing. And now I'm only going to present myself as though I'm this skinny decaf cinnamon dolce Americano. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to promote myself from behind that facade Mm-hmm. Because I think oftentimes those of us in the LGBTQ Christian community have no other sense of authentic value because we've been so derogated upon. And I wanted to deconstruct the fact that we need the, that facade so that we could understand that our inherent value is below that for two reasons. One, if we could operate from our authentic or our knowing of our own authenticity, we're going to free ourselves from the trap of hiding behind that facade. In other words, we're going to practice this really beautiful relational vulnerability. Richard Rohr once told me, only the powerless get to know power. In other words, when we're steeped in powerlessness, do we get to feel powerful? And I think that as a LGBTQ Christian community, We haven't just been forced behind our facades. We've been taught that the only way we can be valuable is if we have a facade. I am not valuable unless I'm keeping you happy by hiding who I really am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that that was one. Number two was. (laughs) Did you want to say something? I wanted to say that that's that's a really valuable thing to say, and it's so in line with what this podcast is here for: is to talk about. Christians coming outside of that box, whether their orientation is queer or whether it's straight, there is this this uh, really tight facade that or box that we're all supposed to fit into Absolutely. in order to play the Christian mm-hmm. card. And I, I just I think that that it's failing our it's failing our society and it's failing us as a generation, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, we're such, we're, we're so individual, mm-hmm. you know, we're so um, individualistic, we're so different. And it's sad that, you know, so many people think that they don't have access to, to God because they don't, aren't able to fit into that, that specific little mold. But exactly. Um, Anyway, that was my that was my random thought when you That's were saying awesome. that. That's awesome. Well, you know, that leads me into number two perfectly. Yeah. Because what number two is all about is if I'm entering every relationship 
my relationship with my neighbor, with my lover, with my job, with God, if I'm entering that relationship from behind a facade, I am automatically and immediately impeding relational intimacy. Because the only part of me people will get to interact with is my facade. So I'm trapped in the role of being an actor and I'm trapped from someone actually having the availability of touching my core. And I think it's, it's exactly what you're saying here. If we deconstruct that and as an LGBTQ Christian community know that we have this beautiful inherent power and value, now we get to show up in the world being God's fullest created being. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about diversity. Now we're talking about living life, demonstrating the full spectrum of the creativity of God instead of limiting it by pretending to not be diverse. Really? Is yeah. there a place where listeners can go and hear more about your, um, your work or your story in particular? Absolutely. They can follow my blog. It's IsaacArchuleta.com. Um, I post articles on the Huffington Post very often. They can also hear my day-to-day thoughts on Twitter. My mm-hmm. handle is at IamArchuleta. That's yeah. I-A-M Archuleta. Um, and if they go to my blog, I actually have a page with all sorts of videos and recorded podcasts, such as this one, mm-hmm. where people can kind of follow my career so far. Cool. I will be sure to post a link um, once this podcast goes out. Um, and so I have three more things to ask you. And okay. my first is, do you have a particular story you want to highlight about the IM Clinic? I know you get to do very special things with um, with people who volunteer or um, who, I guess it's, it's group talks that you do as well as one-on-one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And yep. so I'm wondering if there's any one that you want to highlight. Mm, let's see. You know, there was a dad, I was doing a weekend conference just for parents, uh, conservative Christian parents with children who are coming out. And this dad uh, came to the whole weekend conference and slept through the whole thing. (laughs) He was crashed out in the chair. Um, And I think he was just kind of so covered in denial that he didn't really want to confront it. But about a year later, he called me and said, Isaac, I am desperate to work on my relationship with my son. And him and his son drove an hour and a half every Friday morning, and we would sit in my office for an hour session. And that dad demonstrated something I've never seen before. He listened to his son with such a patient heart. And his son got to tell his whole story and reverse the way that his dad understood him. Hmm. He literally got to paint an accurate picture from his heart about who he was internally and externally. And that dad um, invited him, his son, and his boyfriend over for dinner. He would meet them every Tuesday morning for um, tennis. And that dad just fell in love with his son so much that it literally changed his son's identity from the inside out. That is the type of love that deconstructs these incredibly damaging facades. And I'll never forget just the way the dad looked at his son with these just eyes of awe and love. Um, mm. I mean, you know, family is, is the biggest the biggest struggle with the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. you know, just the idea that you were able to... to um, uh, be a bridge for that relationship um, is beautiful. It's really, mm-hmm. really cool. It means that your work is actually working. That's that's such a testimony. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, it's so fun to see, you know, young men and women coming in holding all of these shames or these facades or insecurities or feelings of valuelessness and then get their parents in the room. And it's just like this, I, th I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he stood with the woman at the well. I have water that will never leave you thirsting again. Mm -hmm. And that, I, I believe, is this idea of, I'm not offering you salvation as though you're not going to have these, you know, quote-unquote dirty behaviors anymore, anymore. I'm offering you a sense of identity mm -hmm. that if you operate out of this beautiful inherent value, your behavior will change, sure. But now you're able to create relational intimacy the way I wanted Mm -hmm. And we have that power. You know, I have water that will never leave you thirsting, and you have that for me, and we have that for each other. Um, so, yeah, I, I told you I could talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> I love it. Snaps all around. It's so good. Yeah. This stuff is gold. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, in ending, I want to know if there, uh, like, we live in such a crazy world, right? One that kind of just allowed this. Um, the distance between the queer community and what is quote unquote normal to, to be so uh, wide and expansive. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, is there anything that you are just so fed up about? Is there something that has happened in the media, something that you just want to rant about um, and just like let people know that this is an issue or this is something that you're angry about um, and just like put it out there for the world to know. Absolutely. I think the church has a horrible relationships with emotions and desire. Mm -hmm. We are literally preaching from the stage, shut off your emotional being and just be a, a robot. If mm. you behave well enough, you're going to make God happy. And if you're dirty enough, you will make God pissed. It's almost like God is up there being manipulated by our emotion or our behavior. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was watching a video on Facebook the other day from a very well-known female um, theologian, and she was on a stage in front of a, an entire coliseum preaching against the emotional cravings of the heart. Don't follow your emotions, she would say. What? And I, I feel like the church has this incredibly... Um, disrespectful view of the emotional cravings of the heart. So this is my setup. We say your heart is dirty. Your heart will make you, you know, uh, if you have this dirty desire, it will make you eat chocolate cake or it will make you do porn or it will make you sleep with your partner before you're married. And we take that and we say, look at these behaviors and they're all motivated by this dirty heart. That's an incredibly backward setup. Mm -hmm. Those desires are to belong, to be comforted, to be soothed, to feel protected, to feel valuable, to feel desired. But we've lost touch with the desire that God has planted in our heart. Mm -hmm. And now we're calling those very beautiful desires dirty because we've associated them with some behavior. Mm -hmm. But what would it look like if we got back to the innocence of our own desire and then let that motivate us? I want to feel special. Now, how can I trust my own vulnerability and trust someone with that desire, someone who is trustworthy, so that they can help me understand the true I am that I was created to know? Mm -hmm. But when we're damaging these emotional cravings, we're literally saying from the pulpit, hate yourself, put up a facade, 
walk under this illusion that you control God's emotions and then fall in love with someone. This mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. So do you still go to church? I do. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I find a very good um, sense of community at my church, but I also, um, I kind of like my own individual spirituality. I love meditating. I love doing contemplative mm-hmm. exercises. Um, I go to church not often, but enough to stay connected to my community. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing, community, right? Mm-hmm. Without community, what is church? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so my last thing with you is I'm wondering, do you have a shout-out you know, of someone or some church or an organization that you believe is doing it right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have many. There's so many good people out there. Um <laughs> Uh, there's a young lady, uh, she's published under the name of Teresa Pasquale, and she has this wonderful book called Sacred Wounds, talking about the way we, uh, we learn about God from our parents, and then we project onto God the ways that we've learned about our parents. So we're kind of living out of this negative God image. Mm -hmm. Um, She's one. Brandon Robertson and his book Nomad, uh, kind of sweeping across the world, literally, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Kevin Garcia, who's doing his blog and kind of tearing it up over there from Atlanta. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of great people doing good things, yeah. People who are handling it, people who give us faith mm-hmm. yep. in the world. It's yeah. going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Isaac, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit and chat with me about your work. Absolutely. It is big and meaningful work, and it warms my heart knowing that there's somebody out there doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have such a like a comforting spirit, and I think that I'm going to listen to this podcast and just like fall in love with your voice all over again. It's soothing. <laughs> it's really soothing. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so thanks for taking the time, and I would love to have you back. You can find out more about Isaac and his phenomenal work by visiting crystalcheatham.com slash podcast. Okay, bye.